0: Well, it's, it's a beautiful spirit here tonight in this place. Thank God for the presence of the Lord. The Holy Ghost is here. And I'm glad to be in the presence of God. It's a good place to be. In His presence is the fullness of joy. I mean, it really is. I've been alone with God at times when I had a, uh, (laughs) I had a, uh, an amazing experience with God. It's just good to be alone with God sometimes. I have spent close to an hour maybe before just telling Him how much I love Him. Praise God. I love my Lord. I love Jesus. I know he loved me before I was ever before I ever knew him he loved me love is not I've said this I told my class today I said I can't beat my wife enough to make her love me I can beat her into submission I won't do that but I could if I wanted to God could beat us into submission that's what the A lot of other religions do, but at least some of other other religions. But you know what? Love is returned. I love him because he first loved me. He showed me his great love. And when I saw it, I returned it to him. I loved him in return. I'm glad for the presence of God in this place tonight, and you're going to think I'm crazy when I give you the title of what the Lord's been dealing with me about today. I'll try to hurry. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this exactly. Praise the Lord. Let me read you some scriptures here in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, and I, I, I got whole bunch of scriptures here but I'm not going to read them all I'm just going to read 25 verse 1, 25, 1 Corinthians because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men verse 27 says But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Verse 28 says, And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught, that means nothing, things that are. Let's pray. God, I ask your help tonight. Lord, I need your assistance in a mighty way here tonight. God, direct me somehow. I know that you're going to come on the scene. You always do when we ask you to. Lord, I'm asking you to come right now. And give me an anointing of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I want to preach to you or talk to you tonight for a little while about weak things. The foolishness of God. Hallelujah. Those words are in the scriptures I just read to you. Verse 25 says, Because the foolishness. Of God is wiser than men, and in verse uh, twenty-seven it says, "And God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty." And I'm going to talk to you about weak things, the foolishness of God. Hallelujah. God can take anything and make it work. He can take situations that look impossible and He can turn things around and and just make something wonderful come out of it. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust for the day of judgment. So tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about some of these things and Aaron's rod budded now how did that happen you cut a limb off of a tree it becomes a dead limb no nourishment but his his rod was which was in the ark of the covenant budded it had life in it God gave it life I'm telling you God can take foolish things and make something mysterious happen to them that is unexplainable I'm telling you, God took me, put me in uh, UAMS one night, and, and he took that situation, and he turned it around just to confound the medical profession at UAMS. That doctor, K. Ruse, the head of neurology, called me many times, several times at home after in about the first two or three weeks to see how I was doing. He just... Couldn't believe that I had been delivered from a stroke as severe as it gets, a level nine slash ten stroke. But God knew how to do it. He took the weak things, it's the foolishness of God. I don't know if God is amused by it or if he just loves to confound wise people. Praise God. Moses' rod cast it down, it turned to a serpent, and of course, the magicians of Pharaoh turned, threw their rods down, and they turned into serpents. But Moses' rod consumed each one of them, ate them up. I'm telling you, God can take foolish things and weak things and confound the most intellectual people on the face of the earth. God loves to do that. But you know what? One of the reasons is that he gets the glory. The way he does it, I mean, who can, who can argue the point that God did this with little Carter? That was a miracle from God. And, and nobody gets the credit. Nobody can, can take the glory from that. It belongs to God and it goes to God. Praise the Lord. That's why he said all things were created by him and for him. And it was all for his glory. He will not allow other people or anything to take his glory. It belongs to God. You may be, you may be honored. You may honor other people. But glory belongs to God. Never give glory to man. It belongs to God, and he deserves it. Praise the Lord. You know what God did when when the children of Israel entered Canaan? He told them, he said, I'm going to send hornets (laughs) ahead of you. Before you, I'm going to send hornets to drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites so you can possess that land. God can pick out the most foolish things, the most weak things, the most unusual things, and he can use them mightily. Oh, hallelujah. The Israelites couldn't say, well, we drove out the Hivites and we we defeated the Canaanites and we took their land because God did it in a supernatural way. He used nature. He used those things that were at his disposal, things that he'd created. He commanded those hornets to drive them out. They went ahead of them and had the enemy on the run. I'm telling you, God can take care of you. He can do things for you. Hallelujah. Frogs in Egypt. Locusts. Water into wine. Jesus turned the water into wine. Very unusual circumstance. I don't know. His mother knew that he was had an unusual. I believe she understood exactly who he was. And, you know, I mean, here she is a virgin and she had a child. And and so he had an unusual birth and upraising. And everything that he did, she probably saw something special about him as he was growing up. The Bible said he knew no sin. He must have been one of the finest young little fellows that that she had ever seen. I'm sure he was. And guess what? When he came in and and they didn't have any, they were out of wine. The governor of the feast said, we're out of wine. And she said, whatever he says do, do it. And he said, get those water pots and go to the well and fill them up with water. Come back in here and pour. And the finest wine they'd ever tasted came out. God knows how to take care of things hallelujah name of the leper now you know he said behold I thought he had it all figured out in his mind how it was going to, how it was going to turn out he said behold I thought that he would surely come out and wave his hand over the place and heal me this is preconceived ideas but you know what, God used the simplest things, foolish, foolish things. Naming the leper, he said, just go down to Jordan and dip seven times. And you'll be clean. He went away in a rage. He was upset. But the point is that God used small, weak, elementary things to take, to do great big things with them. Hallelujah. Naaman finally went down and dipped in the water. When, and he went down seven times. He came up, and he was completely healed of leprosy. Now, there wasn't any, any chemistry in that water. It was just simple faith and obedience. That's all it is. All it takes is to do that. You know, and you really shouldn't wait until the tragedy strikes before you try to pray through. Sometimes you don't have time. Do your praying. Stay prayed up. You hear me? I'm telling you stay prayed up and then all you got to do is say Jesus and he's there. You don't say well let's put everything on hold for 30 minutes. I got to pray through. No. Just stay prayed up and say Jesus and it's done. He takes care of the problem. Oh, hallelujah. He used a donkey. He used a rooster. I'm telling you, God knows how to take care of our problems. And he can use us. And I told my class today, I said, you know what? God can use. You know why that God picks people out, chooses people, draws them into the church that are not highly intellectual? And he uses them mightily. Now, why is that? Why couldn't he just pick out the most intellectual and the ones with the most talent and the most potential and call them out of the world and bring them into the world? He could do that. And he does in, in occasions, on certain occasions, he does that. But... He can reach out into an audience of people, into a, congr- uh, to a town, a community, and, and pull in the town drunk and make a preacher out of him. Yeah. He can get that man that beat his wife and his kids and didn't work and stayed drunk and was mean to everybody. And he can draw him into, do you know why God does that? So he can get the glory. Who's going to take credit for that? Nobody but God. Hallelujah. I said, I'm dyslexic. I am. I have a learning disability. But you know what? God gets the credit for anything I do because I have that handicap. I am dyslexic, and I have a a learning problem. But God has used me on occasion. I believe that. I know that. And somehow he gets credit for that. See, he just, he uses, it's weak things. I'm talking about weak things, the foolishness of God. He uses people that are weak and frail to do great things. Hallelujah. Gideon. Gideon was behind, he was hiding out. He was threshing some. Some wheat, try to get the, the hull off of them, and he's to take home, and, and maybe they could grind it up and make a loaf of bread. But he was hiding behind a wine press, and guess what? He heard a voice. It said, Gideon, oh, I've been found. But the voice said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, he was scared he was hiding but God saw something in that man he saw something in Gideon that he could use so he pulled him out of there, hallelujah and he used him and he started out he had 32,000 soldiers went down, A lot. you lose a lot at the water <laughs> yeah you lose a lot at the water test praise God When he ended up, he only had 300 left. And God said, now I can can give you victory because now I'm going to get the credit. But when you had 32,000, you might say, look what we did. But now I've got 300. Gideon, all all you got is 300 men. And that might have been kind of weak and and, uh, frail. I don't really know. It doesn't matter. See, that's what God uses, and God gets the glory when he does that. I hope somebody's getting something out of this tonight. This is all I could get today, so if, it's, if I really got it from the Lord, this is it. Praise God. I'm telling you, the foolish things of God are, are mighty. Hallelujah. I'll tell you something about another fella too. Praise the Lord. He was born blind. Now, Jesus, they had just been, he'd been down to the temple and, and uh, he had a confrontation with the Pharisees and they were taking, they picked up stones. They were gonna stone him. And he, and he hid himself, and just walked through the midst of the crowd and, they, and he just walked on out and got away. And they didn't stone him. You know why? Because it wasn't Time. And it wasn't the means that he would die by. The prophecies had already gone forth. They had to be fulfilled to the letter. And guess what? And let me read to you what it says here. And as Jesus passed by, John 9 and 1, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. This was a grown man. This man was at least 30 years of age. And he was born blind. He was been blind from birth. That's a bad situation. Praise God. He was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Lord, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. They had a superstition in those days. And that, it goes all the way back to Job. If, if things are going bad for you, you must have done something terrible for God to let the bad things happen to you. And that's, so these disciples, that was a kind of a, a rumor, a tradition that had been passed on down. And, and they, were, they were experiencing it themselves. And Jesus said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I read this scripture today and all these verses here, and it it just blew my mind. I thought, this man was born blind for one purpose. That was the glory of God would be manifest in him. Let me read on. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. Now, I was talking to Sister Deweese earlier this week. And I said, is it true that you're hearing becomes more sensitive when you lose your sight and she said no your hearing doesn't improve you just become more aware of sounds and noises well this man had never seen anything he'd born blind he was 30 plus years of age and that was all and he went through 30 years of Blindness, for one purpose, that God could get glorified. Yet God would get glory through him. Now, when Jesus spit on the ground, this man heard that. <clears throat> Can you imagine harking up one and spitting it down on the ground, and and this. Uh, blind man just kind of cringed a little bit because he heard that and he knew what that was. And then he heard kind of a squishing sound on the ground where he, Jesus took his fingers down there and he was making little mud pies. And the Bible says that he made little mud polices. They don't call it polices but I know what that is. And he took that mud and there stead the blind man, and, and he put that on his eyes. And he knew what that was. That was spit, made mud. Jesus is putting it, and somebody's putting it on my eyes. And he thought, this is weird. This is crazy. I'm already blind. What are they trying to do? What's this man trying to do to me? And he got those polices on his eyes, and then he said, Now you go to the pool of Siloam, and you wash. And I can see now this was a blind man. and Jerusalem is not some little spot in the road. It wasn't back then either. Because three years after the day of Pentecost, there were 70,000 people in Jerusalem filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. That's what the history books say 70,000. So this was a very large community. Huh? And here, here he goes. And Jesus told him, said, Now you go wash in the pool of, uh, of Siloam and you will come seeing. And he had to struggle through the streets with all the people. Here they are. They're all crowded around, and they're pushing and, and pulling and doing whatever, and there's a blind man staggering aimlessly through the streets, so they think, and he, but he's on, a, he's on a journey. He has a destination, and so he runs into people, and he says, which way do I go to find the pool of Siloam? And they said, well, man. There's a pool right here. Why don't you just use that water to wash those eyes? And he said, I can't use that water. i got to go to the Pool of Siloam. That's the only thing that's going to help me. I've got to find the Pool of Siloam. And so he went on his way, and he struggled as he went, no doubt. Uh, Sister Deweese has one of those canes that unfolds. Brother Smart had one. And I, I used to worry about him when he, I would see him going up and down the steps. He was trying to balance himself, and I worried about him that he might fall. But he never did. Anyway, but to have a little stick, well, I don't know if they had him back then. I don't think I've read anything about it. So he was just trying to find it. He was asking directions everywhere he went, every turn he made. And somebody pointed him and said, and no doubt people— were laughing at him. And maybe they were making fun of him. And maybe they were saying, well, let's point him in the wrong direction and see how far he goes. And then uh, maybe said right there and go that way. And they'd turn him and he'd start walking. And he'd run into a wall. Maybe he'd run into a tree. Uh, maybe, maybe it was leading away from the pool of Siloam. But he didn't quit this This is getting dry in his eyes. It's very uncomfortable. And he said, show me. And then he got desperate and he said, somebody tell me where the pool of Siloam is. I have got to find the pool of Siloam. Nothing else will work. Nothing else will do. Somehow he had faith in his heart that he would do what this man said. And so he finally makes his way to the pool of Siloam. And the Bible says, they asked him when he asked him what happened, he said, I washed in the pool of Siloam and I came seeing. He had never seen before, but now he's healed because he did something dumb. Because somebody did something dumb to him. It was foolish. It was the foolishness of God. It was the weak things. That's the foolishness of God. But God can take all the weak things, and he can make something mighty out of it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peter and John called in before the council, and after they talked to them for a little while, they said they perceived that these were ignorant and unlearned fishermen. I'm telling you, when God went through the streets and through the countryside, and he was choosing, he said, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed Jesus. It's just something about the pull, the tug that was in his voice. It just got them to, they just said, let's try this. Let's see what we can, let's see what he's got up, what he's going on. And he didn't choose anybody intellectual. Hallelujah. Luke was a physician, but he was not one that Jesus called to be a disciple. They were ignorant and unlearned fishermen. They were thieves. One was a publican, hated by everybody. And he, God chose 12 men. And when one day he said, I've chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil. But out of those 12 people, There are millions of people throughout the world today that are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost because God took something weak and made something strong out of it. It was the foolishness of God. God knows how to take foolish things and make them work for His glory. It has to be for His glory. Praise the Lord. Let me read a couple of more verses here. Praise God. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, they had neighbors, the neighbors, the people in the community. And they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Verse 9, some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. They just couldn't believe. You know, when God works a miracle in your life, like I was talking about the town drunk, and uh, somebody say, that's town drunk. He's, a, he's sober. And they look at him. He's clean shaven and got on a nice set of clothes and he's cleaned up. Some of us said, well, it, it, it's, it's like him. It kind of reminds me of him, but it can't be. It can't be him. They just can't believe what God can do for some people. He could take the neighborhood drug dealer and make a preacher out of him, make a fine saint of God out of him, make a good family man out of him, rear his children in church. It can convert that man, and people will marvel. They'll look at him, and they'll say, I don't know if that's him or not. It kind of looks like him, but surely he couldn't have changed that much. Can you understand what I'm saying? And look what they said then. And the man heard it, and he said, I am he. I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he said, and he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And when I washed, I received my sight. I'm just here to tell you tonight that God can take anything and make something wonderful out of it. It's the weak things that God's looking for. It was those ragtag 12 disciples that he chose that nobody had any hopes for him. He thought, well, all they'll ever be is fishermen. And that crook, somebody will cut his throat sometime because he's a publican and he's robbed everybody. He's he's gotten rich off of them collecting taxes. And and then there's others that just had n- no reputation at all in the community, no doubt. But he chose 12 ragtag fellows that were unlikely to become anything of value. Peter and John, the Sanhedrin council said they perceived that they were just ignorant and unlearned fishermen. I'm telling you, God can take some ignoramus like me and he can use me at times. God can take anybody. I don't care how, how bad your life has been. I don't care how How much problems you have had, God can take you and clean you up and fix you and make something he can use out of you, and he'll get the glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Weak things. It's the foolishness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just read all of these verses. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to understanding. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise and where is the scribe and where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that end, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Weak things, it's the foolishness of God. Oh, hallelujah. I see it. I understand it. I'm just, I'm just not good at delivering it to you. Praise God. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greek foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. Praise God. Stand with me. I just want to tell you that I don't care If you're here tonight and you've never had an experience with God, don't leave here tonight until you get acquainted with the one that said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Hallelujah. He can take your ragtag, desperate situation and he can turn it around and he can make something glorious out of it. God knows how to do it, only he knows how. Hallelujah! Some people have gone to uh, schools uh, to learn how to, 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 uh, you know, to to act. To uh, and it is just an act because there's no real change in the heart. Praise the Lord. They may learn certain procedures and become a good butler, or a good maid, or a good doorman at the hotel, and learn some graces through all their education that they've been taught. But all that means nothing because there's really no change in the heart. But God can change your heart. He can make a new creature out of you. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You can be the weak thing that the foolishness of God makes mighty in His hand. And He does it for His glory. Praise God. Why don't we sing something and give you a chance to come? If you're here tonight without the Holy Ghost, you need it. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. Praise Just the Lord. Trying to tell everybody Hallelujah. About Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Can say <laughs> you might need a little bump in the Holy Ghost. Come on up here. Praise God. God can give you a a renewing, a refilling. Come on, come on. Let's just see what God can do for you. Look what God did for little Carter. He can do greater things than that. There's no limit to what God can do.